When you hear this, what do you think of? Farms? Cabins in the woods? Maybe a lone musician sitting in a cattle car on a train headed across the plains of the Midwest. Though many relate bluegrass music to its more modern genre-sibling country, its roots are actually in the Irish, Scottish, and English immigrants that came to America looking for a new life. Hi there, and welcome to episode 30 of 8 Minutes of Music History. My name is Ronan Goki, and today we are going to dive into the history of bluegrass. Today, most people think that bluegrass is simply country music, but that is not quite accurate. Country slash western has a very different sound. Bluegrass focuses on the acoustic string band sound, and the music is much more free-flowing. A traditional bluegrass band has a mandolin, banjo, fiddle, guitar, and bass. There are a few variations and additions that will be allowed into the bands, like washboards, spoons, and a jug. You will notice that there are no drums. There were no drums in the farms and forests of the original musicians, therefore it is not used in even bluegrass today. Any drumming that you hear is playing on the side of a stand-up string bass. Take all of this and then you add on top tightly harmonizing vocals, and you have bluegrass. As you listen to this song by Alison Krauss and Union Station's The Boy Who Wouldn't Hoe Corn, you will notice that whereas you can tap your foot to the bass beat that the string bass is playing, the mandolin and guitar are playing slightly off the beat, emphasizing that free-feeling form of playing. hundreds, Europeans came to the Americas looking for new land and a new adventure. Whereas most settled in Jamestown, many English, Irish, and Scottish settlers wanted to get away from the masses and moved out to the Carolinas, Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, and as far as West Virginia. With them, they brought their skills of farming, preaching, and music. As there were no televisions and theaters to keep people amused in the 17th century, many families sat together singing, storytelling, and playing instruments. These homemade stringed instruments were what the original bluegrass music was started with. When the farm work was done for the day and dinner had been served and the tables cleared, many families gathered on their front porches. And as they did not tend to know much more than they were going on in their immediate families, they sang about exactly that. Farming, family, religion, and the beauty of the land around them. Bluegrass music has also been referred to as mountain music or country music, as one could hear it across the fields as they rode through. But with the invention of the phonograph in the early 20th century, this music was now playing in homes across the country. Hey, 
Many true bluegrass lovers know the name Bill Monroe, or the Bluegrass Boys, to be the fathers of bluegrass music. Bill Monroe and his brother, Charlie, began performing in the 1920s, but split up and the two formed their own groups in the mid-1930s. Bill Monroe's band, the Bluegrass Boys, became the more popular of the two, and are therefore given the title of Father of Bluegrass, especially as he performed on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry in 1939. Bill's group, like most front porch bluegrass bands that came before, sang in many different vocal groupings, solos, duets, trios, and tightly harmonized quartets. Monroe is known for his higher-pitched singing voice, which is common amongst male and female bluegrass singers. They tend to sing at the higher end of their vocal ranges. Many refer to this as the high lonesome voice. Let's listen to Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys sing The Wayfaring Stranger. Listen for that unique high lonesome voice soaring above the trio. Bluegrass style of music changed over the first several decades of its public existence. Some bands added instruments, like the rhythmic washboard or spoons, or vocal additions such as yodeling. In the mid-1940s, Earl Scruggs changed the way that the banjo was heard in bluegrass, and many bands followed suit. Traditionally, a banjo is played with the left hand forming the notes and the right hand holding a pick to strum out rhythm across the strings. Scruggs created what he called the three-finger picking style, but which enthusiasts refer to as the Scruggs style. Here is Earl Scruggs performing Foggy Mountain Breakdown at the Bluegrass Festival in 1971. Wow, that's some seriously quick finger picking! Rather than using a single pick that many of us know today, Scruggs had three placed on his thumb, pointer finger, and middle finger. His left hand is still pressing down the strings on the fretboard to make the notes, but the right hand is steady and still, with just those three fingers doing all the work. It is quite different from what you see when watching an acoustic guitar with one of their plastic picks. Like several genres of older music, the popularity of bluegrass music has ebbed and flowed. In the year 2000, the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was released. The movie takes place in Mississippi during the 1930s, with three escaped convicts searching for a hidden treasure while running from the police. Obviously, with this time period and location, bluegrass was the ideal theme music for this movie. This movie's release caused a surge of bluegrass album sales, as well as the revival of the live bluegrass music scene. Bluegrass music may have started up in the early 1900s, but you can still hear it played live throughout the U.S. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 8 Minutes of Music History. You can find my sources in the description. Have a great day.